We're going to do something unprecedented. Unprecedented. We're talking about a music film today, about a band. And I don't think Chris quite understands the scale of what this band is, does, etc. So I'm going to get Chris to put some headphones on. Is this going to be secondhand audio? I've got a recording of the band in question. And I'm going to show Chris a video of them performing live. This is the concert that is discussed, the kind of landmark concert. Yeah. And I just want your thoughts. Okay. On the whole experience. I, I will attempt to speak as I'm listening. Of course, it's Delilah. Okay, a song I recognize. That is a big band. That's my first, and that's a lot of people in the audience. The hairstyles really are. What is this? <laughs> Yeah, okay, that was just my head thinking, oh my god, what is this? I feel like I'm learning something about you every <laughs> second I listen to this. That hairstyle is incredible. What is that? What? He's got a tractor guitar! Why? How many medals does the man have? Oh, the tractors are on the stage, of course. I'd just not noticed them before. Oh, okay, yes. Here come the Finnish national dancers. Russian. Oh, of course, they're Russian. My bad. <laughs> the, the male choir is too much for Delilah. Like, this has far too much gravitas for the song Delilah. Mm. And the umpapa is heinous. Umpapa, umpapa, why Delilah? <laughs> I used to play Delilah quite a lot in Bavarian bands. And of course, I would, yeah. my influence for the way I would drum to Delilah is exactly this version. <laughs> the kind of really heavy umpapa, but then the, the big half time. <laughs> I just, everyone's just taking this really very seriously compared to what's happening imagine you made a comedy band and then five years later your comedy band becomes representative of your entire country and plays a concert which is a sort of pseudo diplomatic cultural landmark yeah to a live audience of over seventy thousand people yeah like imagine if tenacious d and I don't know, let's say like a Syrian national orchestra type thing came together to play a song in solidarity. Like it, it just, why? Ten, I think it's 10 years later, they did a sort of another show, a similar thing as a kind of anniversary event. It was such a success. I, it looks successful. The top comment is just what a performance. <laughs> so yeah, I, I thought that was worthwhile you actually experiencing because I don't think any verbal description really <laughs> no the hair is really quite something and although in my head i know it's really quite something it's hard to visualize how somebody would actually achieve that until you see it mm. how do they defy gravity i mean gallons of hairspray <laughs> even still it's not dry ice it was hairspray <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, um, and once more, we have learned something about Tanley, which maybe should never have been learned. Hmm. The Pandora's box that is Tanley's life has been slowly opened once more. Second I'm Tanley. 
And I'm Chris. And I like watching films. And I kind of don't. So I watch films and tell Chris about them in the vain hope that one day he'll watch a film of his own volition. Ambitious. As we've said many times before, I've nearly watched many of the films that we've talked about. I haven't yet. I'm interested in maybe watching them one day. They're on the long list of films I should watch. So have you got any good song titles for me with the word podcast in, Chris? That sounds like homework I was supposed to do and definitely haven't. We expect better on this podcast. (laughs) We. (laughs) I think I expect exactly what I expect from myself, which is to be here and exist. The worst part about all of this is you do 95% of the work for this podcast. I had one thing to do. You had one job. One job. One job. And yet here I am. Here you are. Podcast you like a hurricane. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. I mean... It's better than nothing, is it? <laughs> do you know what this would be a great thing to do on? Twitter. I wonder if we have any Twitter followers. No, me. Is it? I don't think I even follow it. I've got to say, I, we've not publicised it at all. Oh, I'm following it. We've got two followers. It's me, me and you. you. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. There we go. Perfect. Doing well. Anyway. I had a film recommendation again this week. Oh, there you go. That's good. It is good. It's something about a bus journey and there's a man in the fridge. But, but. whilst we appreciate the engagement, it's an English film, so I refuse to watch it. Tanley, <laughs> uh, that's in danger of being racist. If you're going to engage with us, make sure at the very least you have some grasp of the concept of this podcast. <laughs> but in fairness, it's a film I probably haven't seen. No, well, I've not seen it either. Uh, there you go. Does the film need to be foreign language in order for it to be obscure enough to pass your test? Or is a film that is by its very nature obscure good enough? Even if it's in your cursed mother tongue. I mean, Taxi was incredibly successful in its country. So it wasn't obscure. Okay, yeah, that's fair. That's fair. But, I mean, obscure to us as a demographic, maybe. Which... This film about a man in a fridge on a bus. Is the fridge on the bus? Is the man in a fridge on a bus? Or is the man on a bus and then he goes in a fridge? Is the bus a fridge? Is the fridge a bus? Ooh. Anyway, today's film. Should we talk about today's film? Please, enlighten me as to what joys lay in store for us and our viewers. So it's a film from 1989. And it's a Finnish film. And it's called... Leningrad Cowboys Go America. Uh, sorry, let's go. Right, let's just roll this whole back. First of all, I said viewers instead of listeners. That was dumb. Second of all, Finnish film Leningrad Goes to. Leningrad Cowboys Go America. Leningrad Cowboys Go America. Mm-hmm. It was named number 88 in Empire Magazine's Best 100 Films of World Cinema. I don't know how to categorize this film. IMDb calls it a music film. Rotten Tomatoes calls it a comedy, and Wikipedia calls it a road movie. All three of those could exist in the same space, right? This is true. Before you ask, Rotten Tomatoes gives it a rating of 100%. What? 100%? 100%. Okay, so this... And this is based on five... Critics reviews, not just one guy that really likes it. This is a good time for me to actually ask how Rotten Tomatoes works. Is it a review aggregator? 
Yeah, I think there are two scores on Rotten Tomatoes. There's one based on critics' reviews, and yeah. there's one based on audience ratings. Okay, cool. I so, understand that. So this this film has a hundred percent from the critics' reviews, and then based on over two thousand audience ratings, the average audience score is eighty five percent. That's that's not bad. To start with, I need to explain the Leningrad Cowboys. So basically, one night there were two members of the Finnish rock band Sleepy Sleepers in a bar having a drink with <laughs> Finland's best-known film director, Aki Kaurismäki. Now, yeah. Sleepy Sleepers are the 34th best-selling band in Finland. They've sold more records in Finland than U2 and than Elvis Presley. I don't know which is more impressive. So, Hang on, just to clarify this. They have sold more records in Finland than U2 have sold in Finland? Yes. Okay, that's that's fine. So... The three of these people together decided to form this band, Leningrad Cowboys, as a sort of joke on the declining power of the Soviet Union. Mm -hmm. They made a series of short films that kind of featured this band. And Karl Dismacki then decided to direct a feature film about the band, which is this film. Okay. So all the band members in this film are played by members of Sleepy Sleepers and a few other random musicians. So all the band members aren't actors. They're just in a band they're just bandit members okay uh, and after this film the band became an actual band off screen and they started releasing albums and touring and stuff okay there's a sequel leningrad cowboys meet moses and there's also a film of a landmark concert that was performed in the middle of helsinki by the leningrad cowboys along with the 150 strong alexandrov ensemble which was known as the Red Army Choir and Orchestra, to a crowd of over 70,000. That's a lot of people That's for lot them people. cowboys. <laughs> and this was a weirdly significant show of post-Soviet solidarity between Russia and Finland. So this concert was after the fall of the Soviet Union, okay. whereas the band was formed as the Soviet Union was heading Falling. towards. Yes. And it was also one of my favourite albums as a kid, the recording from this concert. I used to listen to this album a lot. I must admit, the more we say the words, the more Leningrad Cowboys doesn't feel like an entirely unfamiliar pairing to me. Mm. Don't know why. Honestly, this live concert is something else. So it's a Finnish rock band who all have the most ridiculously over-the-top, pointy, pompadour kind of hairstyles that protrudes straight forward above their head <laughs> a good sort of 30 centimetres. Okay, excellent. And matching oversized pointy kind of winkle picker shoes that stick <laughs> out. Yeah. And so there's this band alongside this 150 strong Russian male voice choir and military orchestra. And the the orchestra is normal orchestral instruments and traditional Russian folk instruments together. So you've got trumpets and piccolos alongside accordions and balalaikas. Okay, okay, okay. And some country dancers as well, for some reason. I can see why this is a Tannley thing. Yeah, it is superb. Anyway, back to the film. I know what you're going to ask. We first see a Leningrad cowboy after 52 seconds. Thank you. And they go to America after 9 minutes and 28 seconds. Thank you. I appreciate both of those things. And also, both of them happen quite quickly. Yeah. It should please you. Yeah. No, I, you know what? I'm in. So we start with a black screen. A winter wind is the only sound we hear. And the camera then pans around a deserted, barren-looking, frozen field. And we keep panning around until we see a collection of tractors. Five, if you're interested. 
You have been counting a lot this week, haven't you? Stopwatch comes out a lot in this film. <laughs> and this collection of tractors are around this small shack in the middle of the field. We keep panning around and we see in the foreground the frozen body of one of the Leningrad cowboys laying on his back, pointy hair and shoes, pointing up to the sky, along with a bass guitar in his hand. We cut inside the shack and we see and hear the Leningrad cowboys, complete with the aforementioned ridiculous hair, shoes and sunglasses. Mm -hmm. And they play and sing a Russian polka tune. Now, the band consists of, at this moment, it does change. The band consists of a drummer, a violin, a mandolin, a tuba, a Wagner tuba, a trumpet, an accordion and a melodeon. This is a much bigger band than I had initially thought. Mm. And to just roll back slightly, is one of them dead? (laughs) But basically, yeah, we we find out what uh, happened later. So is this kind of an in Medea res, we're going to have a flashback later on to... Not really. No, we just there's just a dead guy at the start. Okay. Yep. Whilst they're playing this tune, we see a guy kind of peering into the shack who's really enjoying the music. Um, and then by the entrance, there's a man with similar hair to the band, but an enormous fur coat. And he's stood next to a guy in a suit who's looking very unimpressed with what he's hearing. So they finish playing the song. And after a long silence, the man in the suit takes a drag from a cigarette, pauses and says, that's crap, and goes to get in his car. The man in the ridiculous fur coat follows him and is told by the guy as he gets into his car, you should go to America because over there they'll take any old rubbish. And he gives him the phone number of his cousin who lives in Manhattan or something. Convenient. A quick note on the very dry Finnish humour and style of this film. There are so many moments of overly drawn out awkward silence. But it's awkward for the audience, not for the characters. Okay. For example, that opening shot is 44 seconds of nothing but icy wind. And then the background noise of a tractor engine joins for a further 13 seconds. And all that's happening visually is the camera panning around the field. Then after the band finished playing, there's 12 seconds of silence whilst the guy in a suit lights his cigarette, takes a draw on it, and then tells the guy in the fur coat it was crap. I get the impression that the Finnish just, they don't care. They're, they're patient people. Yeah. And it's that kind of awkward, drawn out. It's <laughs> it's very awkward to watch, but it's quite funny, I think. Anyway, so the fur coat guy, he seems to be the band's manager. Mm-hmm. He goes to a phone box, which is on the outside of this wooden shack in the middle of a field. Convenient, to right. say the least. And he tells the American guy that, Yes, it's a great, great band. One of the best. And, oh, of course, they're all good American boys. Only the name is Leningrad Cowboys. Da, da. I mean, yes, yes, yes. (laughs) So the band drive away on their convoy of tractors across the frozen field. Point of order. Are the Leningrad Cowboys canonically Finnish or Russian? The characters are Russian. The Leningrad Cowboys is meant to be a Russian band from the... Siberian wastes or whatever. Sure. But the people playing them are Finnish. Yes. And the film is in Finnish with bits of English. Yes. Hang on. So does he say da? <laughs> yeah. In, so in what language does that happen? That's that's Russian. Oh, but I when don't... he's speaking supposedly his native tongue, it's actually Finnish. So it's a So it goes like da da, no, I mean your, your or whatever. Finnish for yeses. 
Oh, well, he, well, he's speaking English on the phone to the oh, American guy. Oh, of course, guy. there's a third language involved. He was So he was speaking to the guy in the suit in Finnish. Yes. Then he accidentally says yes in Russian, because he's Russian by accident, then speaks English when he's speaking English, but then when he's meant to be speaking his native tongue, it's Finnish because the film's in Finnish, even though it's meant to be Russian. <laughs> this is a real metropolitan film so far. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, they arrive at a house. We cut inside the house. There's an older man with the same ridiculous hairdo sat on a rocking chair and there's a baby rocking back and forth in a cot with the same hairstyle sticking out of the cot like from under the blankets the man who was really eagerly listening to the band comes in he's got barely any hair he's got like a little circle of hair on the front it's like a centimeter long if that and he's he like licks his fingers and tries to spike the hair up <laughs> in, like the band and, but it's so rubbish because he has you know less than a centimeter of hair mm. and the rest of them is at least 30 centimeters in front of their face that it comes out big thick spikes yeah one singular singular. yeah okay yeah yeah. Uh, so the band all come in they dump the body of the frozen bass player on the floor we cut to a dog who has the same hairstyle (laughs) i think you'd be better off telling me who doesn't have the same hairstyle at this point it's basically just the one guy who has barely any hair so the manager sits down and says pekka practiced outside last night in the morning there was nothing we could do for him gesturing to the bass player so he's just dead seems that way the manager says that they need money to go to america the old guy says oh grandfather went to america as well but nobody's heard from him since the camera then pans up to see a picture on the wall of abraham lincoln with the family hairstyle (laughs) oh god (laughs) all right i see what we're in for yeah the old guy says he'll pay the fare to take the band to america that they should take the frozen bass player with them to show him the world Right, okay, we're taking the corpse. The manager looks down at this cloth bag of money he's given, and he almost smiles. <gasps> Dangerous. Don't show emotion. So the next morning, we see the band walking across the frozen field with their instruments, and the frozen bass players kind of on this little wooden cart. What happened to the tractors? Well, they're going to America, so they're not going to take the tractors with them, are they? But you sure they could take the tractors to the place, you know, to the airport? I'm sure the parking fees for tractors in small siberian airports is extortionate they can't reach the windscreen to give you a ticket (laughs) good point fair but yes i understand parking fine similarly to the shot of them driving across the field in their tractors the camera just doesn't move at all in this long shot of them walking across the field again so you get this very sort of dated atmospheric sort of feel Mm. documentary style we get a shot of their feet as they walk through a forest still wearing their very impractical pointy winkle pickers. Uh, as they walk through the forest, the accordion player is playing a rough version of the same tune they played before, mm-hmm. and the drummer's just kind of randomly hitting a drum occasionally along to it. Ooh, that, that sounds like a personal attack on this particular drummer here. Is there some attempt at rhythm and you're just being quite derisive? No, it's, it's, I think it's intended to be a bit random. Okay, okay, okay. Not for musical purposes, for character-driven purposes. I'll, I'll allow it. So we see the bass players on this little wooden cart and they basically put him in a makeshift coffin, but there's a hole for the neck of his bass guitar to stick out through. There's also a hole at the top so his hair can protrude through and two holes at the bottom for his shoes. Yeah. We see the keen fanboy guy chasing after them and he emerges into a clearing to see the whole band just stood there looking at him. The manager tells him to get lost. The guy licks his fingers, tries to spike his hair up a bit 
And then the camera cuts straight to the manager who has the most ridiculously long pointy hair. (laughs) Then two of the band just grab tree branches and push the guy out of shot and then beat him up off screen. Oh, okay. That's a choice. (laughs) Yeah. The accordion and drum start up again and they walk off. We get a little title card saying International Airport. And the band arrive at the edge of this forest, which leads out into this tiny looking airport. I mean, that's kind of convenient, considering we've gone from frozen wastes to random forest. And oh, look, an airport. International airport. An international airport. So the manager tells the band before they go to the airport that only American bands are allowed to play in America. So they will all now need to become American and need to learn English if they don't already speak it. So cut to inside an airplane. And the camera's kind of going through the cabin. We see some businessmen, like a family, a couple of pensioners reading magazines. And then all of the Leningrad cowboys with their hair, sunglasses, matching black suits, everything, all practicing English, looking at phrase books. Mm. <laughs> but whilst they did, there's one guy who's just counting numbers and he's up to 264. <laughs> How is that? <laughs> a man after your heart. <laughs> Very true. <laughs> The, the drummer takes a swig from a big bottle of vodka and after repeatedly trying to say the word ham, says that he doesn't want to learn English. The Melodian player says that the success has gone to Vladimir's head. So the fur coat wearing manager guy is Vladimir. Of course, he's called Vladimir. Vladimir leans forward from the seat behind, slaps him and says, Shut up! Spinglish! I mean, speak English! And then kind of tweaks their noses. And then the accordion player puts his book down and says to the Wagner tuba player, Do you miss home? And he replies, Not really. So the accordion player goes, I do. Uh-huh. They've literally just got on a plane. I was gonna say, that's that's quick. That's quick there, buddy. You're gonna struggle. So anyway, they arrive in New York. We see the baggage conveyor belt coming out of the plane, including a tuba and a coffin with a bass guitar sticking out of it. (laughs) And then we see the fanboy guy kind of sneak out of the hold of the plane. Of course. So the band are walking through the streets with their instruments. One guy's carrying the coffin like on his shoulder. Vladimir goes to meet presumably the cousin of the guy from the start Mm -hmm. who tells Vladimir I've got some good ideas for your band we could start with Madison Square Garden or Yankee Stadium but anyway I need to hear them before I book them and Vladimir says is that necessary (laughs) oh the pod guys they're working so hard they're the pride of Russia Finland of unnamed location Yeah. yeah now this conversation has so much awkward silence in it what I'm going to do, I'm going to recount all of the dialogue in this conversation. Okay. Right. The entire conversation goes like this. Do you mind? Yes. Pause a drink. Drinks drink. I've got some good ideas for your band. Maybe we could start with Madison Square Garden or Yankee Stadium. Good. Anyway, before I can book your band, I'm going to have to hear them play. Maybe they could set up in my studio downstairs. Is that necessary? Yes. You can't help it? No. All right. That's the dialogue. That conversation takes one minute and 21 seconds. (laughs) (laughs) Did they have a certain runtime to meet with the film? It's nothing to do with the humor or structural style. It's just the film needs to be an hour and a half long. And unfortunately, we've only got an hour and 15 minutes worth of footage. So we're stretching. So the band set up and they play the same polka as before. But this time we have an accordion, a drummer, 
mandolin, tuba, Wagner tuba, which is being played by the guy who played trumpet last time, electric guitar, which was the violinist, bass guitar, which was the melodeon, and a soprano saxophone, which was the Wagner tuba. Is this an attempt to, for the band to be more American, or do they just swap instruments constantly? I don't know. It's the same musicians. Okay, okay. The, the camera also spends the first 20 seconds just showing the accordion player, which is brilliant because the whole band are completely deadpan throughout almost all of their performances, <laughs> apart from the accordion player, who always looks like he's having a great time. <laughs> <laughs> also, this version of the polka has a random blues guitar solo in it. Of course. So they finish the song. There's eight seconds of silence while the band stands still, apart from the bass player who takes the cigarette out of his mouth and exhales a load of smoke. Then the American guy takes Vladimir aside and says that they should go to Mexico instead. Oh, no. His cousin's getting married there and needs a band for the wedding. Whilst he's writing the address on a bit of paper, of course, in an awkwardly long silence, you can see the scene is lit really nicely in a way that shows the contrast of silhouette between normal guy and (laughs) man in huge fur coat with this ridiculous cone of hair sticking out straight forward. It's brilliant. So the American guy says, your music will go down great over there. Here we have something different. It's called rock and roll. So the band settled down for the night outside and we have a 44 second shot of the band settling down on the rooftop somewhere. One guy lays out a few blankets on the floor. Another's brushing his teeth. And then two just kind of play accordion and melodion together. But it's purely atmospheric sort of texture. There's no melody mm. at all for 44 seconds. Maybe we need to take the stopwatch away from you. This this is becoming <laughs> a problem. It feels kind of long. And then you time it and you go, geez, 44 seconds of a guy laying out a blanket while someone brushes their teeth and there's some notes happening in the background. These things are important to the Leningrad cowboys who go America. And more importantly, they're important to the audience of Secondhand Cinema, colon, the podcast. (laughs) Sure. (laughs) So Vladimir goes into a record shop and asks, do you have rock and roll? (laughs) So the next morning, the band are gathered outside. Vladimir walks towards them and crouches down. And then all the band crouch down. Don't know why. I can visualize it as well, you know. Have you ever heard of rock and roll? He asks them. They all look at each other and shake their heads. So he gives them this book and says, you must study this book. So the band go to buy a used car. One of the band does that standard film thing of, you know, pushing down on the boot and kicking the tyre. But because of the shoes, he punches a hole in the tyre. Oh, no. (laughs) So there's this sleazy used car salesman, which is actually a cameo by a famous American independent film director, randomly. If any of you know of Jim Jarmusch, he's one couple of awards at the Cannes Film Festival. Anyway. Excellent. He sells them the best car he has for $700. But that's all we have, Vladimir says. I know. That's why. (laughs) (laughs) So they buy the car. One of the band (laughs) has the pointy end of his shoe folded over and nailed down so he can use the pedals. (laughs) And they realise that the car isn't big enough for the whole band. So they pop the boot. And they jam like a normal chair and a massive armchair into the boot. So the two of them that are left sit in these chairs in the boot, facing backwards, With legs the dangling. Like wide open. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. And the coffin's tied to the roof of the car. Of course. So they stop in Memphis. They go into a bar and they agree to play. They then perform the song Rock and Roll is Here to Stay. 
which is an existing song, reached 19 in the US Billboard charts. And it's a song that's played in one of the dance scenes in Greece, actually. Uh, now I'm thinking. Nope, nope, nope. So this time, we've got a drummer, bass, keyboards, two electric guitars, tenor sax, singer, and a tuba. Although the tuba only plays one note, spends most of the time kind of waving his arms around. And the keyboard player, who was the accordionist, only ever plays with one hand because he's too busy dancing and having a grand old time. <laughs> How do they afford these instruments? Where have they come from? They definitely didn't fit in the car. These are all excellent questions. So they finish the song. They receive a smattering of applause from the four people that are in the audience. The sax player collects tips by going around the tables and just kind of honking a note in their face. And then they throw <laughs> some coins in the saxophone. So whilst this is happening, Vladimir is sat at a table enjoying a nice steak and chips in a diner and asks for his leftovers to be put in a doggy bag. So he goes outside where the whole band are all sat outside on the curb but he gives the leftovers to this random small dog that sat by them instead. And then the camera slowly pans across all eight band members just looking and watching the dog eat the food. That's so sad. <laughs> it's really sad. I'm presuming this isn't Spiky Dog from before. This is just random, random American dog. Okay. Random American dog. We see the fanboy arrives at the bar that the band had just played at previously to find there's like an old guy playing banjo instead. Mm. He then finds a barber's. He walks into this barber's with a load of grass and twigs to kind of mime the hairstyle he wants. And the barber's saying, no, your hair's too short. Like, I don't know why. Barbers can't create hair. He needs to go to a wig shop. Mm. He needs to get a weave. So he just sits in the barber's chair anyway, holding the grass up to his head, looking sadly into the mirror. And then we skip a bit of time to see him still sat in the barber's chair eating some soup while the barber's playing an out-of-tune guitar and singing a song to him. It's very surreal. It, yeah, I mean, this is a surreal experience listening to it. So they're back on the road. The band are getting suspicious where Vladimir's getting all his beer from. They and stop... his money! <laughs> they stop at a petrol station, and as they get out, over 50 empty beer cans just kind of pour out of the passengers, like the footwells. Where is all the room for this? There's eight people in a car. So the band all goes to the restroom and Vladimir, once they've all gone, reaches into the coffin and pulls out a six pack of beer. <laughs> is the body still in there? Yeah. At least it's cold. Exactly. Yeah. So the band arrive in New Orleans and they play tequila to a packed crowd in a bar. Same instruments before, but the keyboard player is back on accordion and the singer is back on Wagner tuba. Same instruments as before is a meaningless phrase in the context of this film, because that could be one of already now four variations of instruments. I feel like now I think about it, the audience are not bothered by the yeah. varying instrumentation of this band. Yeah, I can believe that. But it's too late now. This time, the crowd really enjoy it. And there's one guy in this lovely three-piece red suit, kind of dancing along very enthusiastically. It's good. Tequila's a good song. <laughs> Tequila? Can't do too much. That's probably copyright. So the band are sat out on a curb again, each eating a stick of celery. One says about the bass player in the coffin, I think we should bury him. So they have a sort of weird funeral procession. The coffin's on top of the car, slowly driving down the street. The band are walking behind the car, playing something badly and vladimir's walking in front of the car just drinking beer as a side note this is the third different guy that's played wagner tuba at this point in time the fact of wagner tuba exists 
Yeah, he's it's in a, and of itself. It's a niche instrument for this film. It's a that. niche instrument, full stop. Don't pretend that's just for this film. True, true, true. Anyway, the police come along and stop the procession. <laughs> this policeman, he can't seem to decide what's more confusing. The music, the hair, the clothes, the coffin with the bass guitar sticking out. He opens the coffin to reveal the guy lay there covered in ice cubes and cans of beer. <laughs> so he arrests them all and puts them in jail. For what? He says something about you need a license to bury someone. Oi, mate, you got a license for that. <laughs> I, I get it, he's an American police officer, but still, it's just that idea of you got a license. Well, I realised that I did a French impression last time, but I'm not doing any accents for the impressions I do this time. I don't know why. You have disappointed your Finnish ancestors. Because <laughs> they're all listening to this podcast. Every single Tanley is listening to and involved in this podcast. Or well, all two of them in Denmark. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. This this needs to be our thing. We need to get this podcast to every Tanley in the world. <laughs> we are going to reunite the Tanleys. That would be an interesting... I mean, we don't need a big venue. Well, there's like four of you, so that's fine. <laughs> NA in Finland, it's not a problem. Anyway, where are we? They managed to get out of jail by over five days. They all just sit there tapping empty beer cans, getting louder and louder, until they just get let out by a pissed off guard who's got ear defenders on. <laughs> Fair. So the band are complaining to Vladimir that they're hungry, and they stop at a supermarket. Vladimir goes in. And he buys a big bag of onions for them to share. What? He tells them to eat whilst he uses the telephone. He goes around the corner and eats a massive sandwich that looks really good. Why did he buy onions, though? He's a cheapskate. Yeah, but of the cheap edible foods, is, is, are onions really the kind of... You know what? I can speak from experience here. Because I remember... <laughs> oh, no. I remember as a student, I don't know if you remember this. There was one particular time when... You know, as a student, sometimes you go through tough times where you're a bit poor. And I went through a period where I thought, right, I need to have some food and spend as little money as possible. So I bought a pack of own brand pita breads and an onion. Why does this sound familiar? And I hate that this sounds familiar. <laughs> and I remember eating it in uni and it was quite surreal, but... Like an onion, for the amount of money you spend on an, on an onion, it's good value for money. There's a lot of, <laughs> maybe not nutrition, but there's a lot of eating that goes into a whole raw onion. Uh, yeah. so Because you can't eat it quickly. <laughs> wait, tell me, are, are you seriously telling me there was a period of time in university where you were eating onion sandwiches? This happened once. This was a one-off a one occurrence. You ate an onion sandwich? I know, I, I kind of alternated by eating a bit of pita bread and just taking a bite out of the onion. You managed to find a worse option. <laughs> <laughs> I don't believe it. So hang on, you said this was a one occurrence, but you said, you, you, how did the money thing resolve itself? Did you just decide that actually you can't live like this and you'll just eat food instead? I think there was like a meal before I got paid for something. Right. Or a meal out. Yeah. And then I had food at home to have later on that day. And yeah. then I got paid the next day or something like that. So pitta and onion. That it was, was like, it. that's desperation food. How do I get a good amount of food for 50p? Would you ever do it again? I mean, since then, I've been stockpiling nectar points. 
So if I ever can have they, no money, I've got about 50 quid in nectar points. Did, can, can they actually two. be redeemed for shopping? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, fine then. So yeah, not a problem in the future. Uh, that's a certain kind of genius. I know, right? But if I didn't have the nectar points, yeah, probably. Maybe I'd find a better way of spending 50p to get more food. I don't know what that would be, though. I think you'd actually struggle to get it for 50p these days. Maybe 60p. I don't think you can... <laughs> it depends where you go, I suppose. How cheap you can pick up pitta breads. Yeah, the, the pitta is the real deal breaker here. The, the raw onion, you know, that's pennies, but... I wonder if just a very cheap loaf of bread would have been better than a pack of pitters. Probably. Because you probably get a, a loaf of bread for the same price as yeah, a pack of Yeah, you'd be able to get a big cheap loaf somehow. For 50-ish P. Yeah. Mm, well, people have different tastes, don't they? I'm glad I stayed friends with you because I feel like you need help. <laughs> yeah, can't argue with an onion. Well, do you know what? There may well be people in the world who have to eat pit- It's the pitta! <laughs> Why is the pitta uh, the weird no, thing of pitta and... <laughs> pitta bread is just not... The kind of food I associate with poverty, I suppose, in this scenario, it would be the equivalent of, to, to make it a more millennial, it's the avocado toast, right? It's like, yeah. why of all things, when you had no money, did you buy avocado toast? Why of all things, when you had no money, did you buy pizza bread? Like, that's kind of how I see it in my own head, even if it isn't actually true. I felt it went better with the onion. Oh, oh no, this, no, you can't, no, because that means that you thought about it. Of course I thought about it. That means that you decided it was going to be an onion and you went, okay, what is the best bread to go with an onion? Not to put in, not to put the onion in, but to have in one hand while the onion's in the other hand. Yeah, but when you're, when you're out, how do you deal with an onion and cut it up and put it in a sandwich? Why did you buy the onion? To eat. But you could have bought like a carrot. Ah, they're more expensive. But it fits in the pitta. You could have washed the carrot, shoved it in the pitta, and just chomped away. Maybe. Yeah, maybe. I mean, it was a long time ago. It's too, it was too far in the past for me to regret now. <laughs> I, on a personal note, I'm just glad I didn't notice at the time. Maybe, maybe <laughs> This is turning into a different podcast. <laughs> Cooking when you have no money with... <laughs> strange decisions Tadley's made in his life and at university so yeah oh yeah they're they're eating onions (laughs) that has a whole new meaning now all right yeah yeah, sorry doesn't seem so ridiculous now does it Mm. my life is more ridiculous than these ridiculous films that we talk about (laughs) Tadley if people knew Mm. if people knew If only. So we see the fanboy guy get off a bus and go into a shoe shop. He picks a shoe off the shelf that has a bit of a point, but it's just a normal shoe. And he longingly looks at this shoe for 28 seconds. (laughs) The stopwatch is back. The final 13 seconds of which he's joined by the storekeeper who just stands and looks at the shoe with him. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, 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 the guy is suspect. And then the guy gives the storekeeper the shoe and walks out, sadly. We then get some kind of monta- little driving montage. And then we see the same guy wading through a river carrying a massive fish. Like a fanboy? Fanboy, yeah. Okay. And the fish is like almost the size of his torso. <gasps> oh my God, is he going to get two massive fish and get them to bite his feet? 
So they look like pointy <laughs> shoes. Is that where this is going? No. No! But, but that would be brilliant. So we cut to the band playing a song to an audience of 25 unimpressed looking people. The bass player is singing this time. And the previous singer is back on Wagner Tuba. Of course. For those of you keeping up to date. The classic. The band play this entire song just stood still, apart from the two guitarists who sway left and right in unison. It's really weird. That's rock and roll, baby. We see the fanboy walking along the road, carrying the fish, and then he sees in the distance the band packing up the car. But by the time he gets there, they've just driven off. So in frustration, he drops the fish to the floor, kneels down, strokes the fish, picks up the fish, sets off again. Uh, why? I don't know. I think the fish is meant to be a gift to try and buy some favour. Yeah? The rest of it, I don't know. I think that guy needs to know his place. Mm. Oh. Oh, <laughs> God. <laughs> oh. <laughs> the delay. So the band are now in Galveston, which is on the south coast of Texas. Vladimir says, audiences don't like you because you're too pale. So he makes most of the band lie down on the beach wearing shirt, pants and shoes. Whilst the remaining two are sent out to beg for money. One of them's got a sign around his neck that just says, we are poor. And the other one's holding a kettle to collect the money in. Excellent. So they then go straight to the pub and spend the money on beer. Obviously. Back on the road, they find a club that has an advert for a singer wanted outside. So they go inside. The manager says, can he sing country music? Vladimir says, oh, he's the best. Well, how come I haven't heard of him then? Well, we've been touring in Norway for years. Norway, the famous place to go for American country, country singers. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I feel like this is the point where you would tell me that there is actually a thriving country scene in Norway if you knew about it. So. Oh, I don't think so. Okay, okay. So the band get the gig, quote, only because Kenny Rogers cancelled. Is that someone I should know? Kenny Rogers, very famous country singer. Sure, I'll believe that. The song's introduced by the singer, who's wearing a shiny satin red jacket with a gold hammer and sickle on, which is a Soviet yeah, yeah, symbol. Yeah. And he says... Ladies and gentlemen, in this town, there are millions of stories. This one is mine. And then this song is an awful country ballad. And I mean awful. I wrote down the lyrics. I'm just going to recount the lyrics of this country ballad. All right, I'm ready. I'm ready. I've always been a farmer at Collective 49, worked the black soil of Russia, growing potatoes and some wine. I was happy driving tractors for the last 20 years till the local commissar let my wife disappear. I'm a <laughs> Leningrad cowboy raising cattle on the steps. Won't you pour me another vodka? Cause I'm drinking to forget. <laughs> How can you say that's bad? It's, oh, it's so bad. And it's so funny. And then there's this guitar solo over the entirety of which the singer says, all right, let me hear a little bit of that guitar. Oh, yes, that's it. Not too loud, not too loud. That's my song. Yes, that's my song. (laughs) And then there's a sax solo, during which the singer does this weird walking on the spot, looking upwards with his arms slightly outstretched dance. Okay. (laughs) It's so weird. Letting the the rain of the country pour down on him. (laughs) 
There are seven people in the audience looking bored. Kenny Rogers doesn't pull a crowd anymore, does he? (laughs) One says to the other, this is total crap. And the managers just stood there checking his watch. The whole band play the entire song completely deadpan until the end when the keyboard player shouts yee-haw, jumps down onto one knee doing jazz hands. (laughs) (laughs) So the manager pays Vladimir and tells the band to leave and never come back again. And we still got paid. Still got paid. And as they walk out, the sign that did say singer needed now says club for sale. (laughs) (laughs) I like that. So the next day, the band are sat out on some picnic table or something. They're having a laugh at some youngsters who are wheeling away like a car engine on a cart. Hey, look at those jerks. I bet they stole that from some idiots. It's their car. <laughs> it's got to be their car. <laughs> so they just, they're laughing a lot. And then they get into the car still. <laughs> hey, there's something wrong with the engine. Cut to the gap where the engine used to be in their car. (laughs) Yeah. So they go, right, we need a new car. And Vladimir says, no, Mexico's quite near. We can walk or hitchhike. The band grab him and beat him up. Okay, fair. So they get a new car. Vladimir's tied up and gagged in the backseat. They take money out of his jacket and send one of their number to go and buy food. The accordion player. Oh, happy man. Maybe a mistake. Oh, okay. Because he comes back with no food, but wearing a peach frilly shirt a white bow tie, turquoise satin waistcoat, bright orange jacket and trousers, a white Stetson, and the biggest smile you have ever seen. (laughs) Then we cut to everyone's back in the car. We see bound and gagged Vladimir in the back seat, and next to him is the accordion player with black eyes, bruises, bloody nose, and for the first time, he's not smiling. Oh, no. (laughs) Oh, no. So they stop in a field somewhere, and they have like a drink round a fire. We see Fanboy climbing over a ridge and he comes up to the campfire. He offers the fish as a gift. So they're having like a little meal. He takes some food over to Vladimir, who's still tied up in the car. We learn now at this point, like an hour into the film, that this guy's name is Igor. Of course. We just find out. Anyway. In fairness, that seems like the second name you've told me. It is. Apart from Pekka, who was the bass player. Okay, yeah. Who has not been mentioned. We know the name of the dead guy. Yep. The manager and the weird fanboy man. But none of the actual members of the band. No, nope. no. Nope. Vladimir says that if Igor unties him, he'll make Igor the road manager. Oh, okay. Igor immediately unties him. Immediately. And then Vladimir walks over to the fire and attacks the band with the rope and kind of kicks them and just goes <laughs> a bit berserk. Okay. Cuts the band... Sat back in the car, all looking fed up. Vladimir sat in the front seat, drinking beer, looking pleased with himself. Yeah, of course. They stop at a petrol station and they look out and realise that the guy filling up the car has the same shoes and the same hair that they do. (gasps) It's Abraham Cowboy. (laughs) They they basically look at him and go, cousin? (laughs) So he gets in the car. And he tells them how he fell overboard when he was out fishing one day and got carried by the Gulf Stream all the way to Galveston, where he was fished out by his foster parents. That's incredible. Hmm. By the way, this guy is the only person not played by a Finn, apart from the cameo by the American film director. Yes. This character is played by a British punk singer 
whose real name is Nikki Tesco. <laughs> so real name is Nikki Tesco. Real name or stage name, I guess. Okay, okay, that's fine. Uh, and he's a lead singer in the band The Members. And you'll all remember their single Radio reached number five in the Australian charts in 1982. Of course, yes. I have such a good memory of 1982, <laughs> that year I wasn't alive in, in Australia, that country I've never been to. They give this guy a spare jacket and they make him the lead singer of the band. So they set up in like a biker bar in Houston, Texas, and they play a song which I can only describe as two men shouting in Finnish over a 12-bar blues that's played in a rock and roll style. Is it meant to be kind of punky? No, this isn't Nicky Tesco. No, but is the song meant to be kind of punky? No. All right, dangerous. It's, I mean, it's... It's a choice. It's an experience, yeah. Unsurprisingly, it doesn't go down well. <laughs> so Nicky Tesco, or whatever his character's name is, doesn't have a character name. The singer, the American singer cousin guy, he goes on stage to rescue the situation and he sings Born to be Wild oh, yeah, yeah. with the band. And I tell you what, Born to be Wild sounds better with an accordion in it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And the crowd now love it and they're dancing and cheering and whatever. We then cut to a random shot of the whole band just stood in silence in a line at the side of a field watching a tractor drive up and down in the distance. Oh, memories of home. Exactly. Then they go into this diner, which has this complicated nut-cracking machine, which is the size of a shoebox, at least, mm. and seems to take three people to use. Okay. This scene lasts one minute and 27 seconds. Oh, no, the watch is out again. And all that happens is they're sat cracking nuts with this contraption, and then one guy comes out of the toilets and orders a beer. That's all that happens in this one minute, 27 second scene. You could have not watched the film. Could have. But then I wouldn't have this excellent content for this <laughs> podcast. No, true. And all these excuses to get the stopwatch out. <laughs> yeah. So then the band are sat looking sort of longingly at photos of their loved ones. Mm. There's one guy looking at this picture of a woman wearing a scarf. He then takes his sunglasses off and looks again and she's not wearing the scarf. It's so quite like. Okay, cool, cool. And then one of them has just got this black and white photo of his tractor. <laughs> <laughs> Vladimir's um he's having his shoes polished by Igor whilst the band play a strange country song and whilst this country song's happening it's kind of upbeat country song two of the band are just stood at the side smoking and sort of kicking their legs out a bit all right cool so the band finally arrive in Mexico the father of the bride greets Vladimir and says, we've been waiting for you. Vladimir replies, yes, that's why we came. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I guess that's true. Uh, yeah. So we cut to the wedding and everyone's dancing and eating and the band is accompanying a random Mexican guy who's singing some Mexican song. Whilst this is happening, Igor opens up the coffin. He tries defrosting the bass player with a hairdryer which doesn't work so then he tries feeding him some whiskey which does work and the bass player immediately starts playing his bass in the coffin and then kind of gets out walks over to where the band is playing i mean his bass isn't plugged in but whatever none technicalities yeah exactly none of the band react to their dead former band member who has just come back alive and he's now playing with them. The only person that reacts is 
Nicky Tesco, whatever his name is, who's never met him before. <laughs> it's really weird that this dead guy starts playing and the, the band are just going, yeah, yeah, playing this random Mexican song. And then Nicky Tesco's going, what? How are you? He's like, you don't know who he is. Surely these guys that have... Anyway. But in fairness, he's travelled with them long enough to know that there's a man in a coffin. Yeah, but he won't have seen him. He won't know what he looks like. But he's never left the coffin in his presence. I mean... Anyway, so they carry on playing. The accordion player's having a great time. Obviously. Vladimir walks over to a cactus and he refills his glass from a tap that's at the bottom of this cactus. And then he walks off into the wilderness by himself. And we get some text that comes up and says, and nobody ever saw him again. Shit happens. But the band hit the top 10 of Mexico. Credits roll. <laughs> Is that legitimately it? No post-credit sequence or no anything like that? No that's it. Yeah, I mean, title, accurate. Leningrad Cowboys go America. Continent, not country. Well, country, and then they, yeah. Yeah, it's it's a ride. <laughs> it's definitely contained all of the mentioned genres. It was musical, it was comedy, it was road, I guess. Hmm. Yeah, all right. I, I, I'm not surprised the bass player came back. A little happy he did. Mostly sad that that's the only name we got out of the band. <laughs> I know, it's like they're, they're not even characters. Because the fact that... They, yeah, the, they're just one sort of dead just ensemble. The band. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But it's an eclectic mix of music. And it's very nicely done. <laughs> I mean, 100% on Rotten Tomatoes. Uh, clearly, it works. What can you say? It's It mastered the art form. Whatever the art form it tried to master was, it, it, it's done it. And the band is still going. There's albums coming out. They've got a habit of doing kind of... Recently, they've gone a bit more heavy metal than kind of rock. Oh, leaning into the Scandinavian roots. And they they often include kind of heavy metal, metal-ish covers of popular pop songs. Right. So they do a sort of heavy metal cover of Ring of Fire and My Sharona. And okay. It's really... <laughs> it's... Yeah, it's pretty good. Oh, God. But yeah, that's the film. It's It's a short film. It's an hour and a quarter. So even with all the padding, it's only an hour and a quarter long. Yeah. That's impressive in and of itself. Mm. It's very of its genre and of its kind of geography, I suppose. Doesn't overstay its welcome, though, which I think is something that needs to be said because, you know, of the minus three films that I've actually seen, any film that's longer than two hours has to, mm. has to earn that. Yeah. I mean, nowadays... Because it used to be the standard film was an hour and a half, right? Yeah, exactly. But I'd say nowadays the standard film is two hours. Mm. So, yeah, it was it was definitely kind of breezy watch compared to other films I've watched recently. Mm. There's something about it that is unlike any film I've ever seen. In style of shooting, in the kind of story, in the characters or lack of, and the music. I mean, there's a country ballad, there's some uptunes, there's some Finnish shouting over a 12-bar blues. There's some Russian polka. There's mm. Born to be Wild, sung mm. by the famous Nikki Tesco. Famous to some. <laughs> and then there's there's like elements of slapstick, you know, of just a guy going crazy, hitting people with rope and surreal stuff with the tap at the bottom of a cactus. And the walk off into the desert sun. <laughs> the, uh, the sequel is something to do. It's kind of based on the Old Testament and Vladimir then thinks he's... Moses, because he finds a burning cactus in the desert. 
Oh, um, okay. That's a choice. And comes back to find the Leningrad Cowboys who have kind of embraced the Mexican and they all have ponchos and sombreros and then they meet sort of new Leningrad Cowboys and it's like original style Leningrad Cowboys. Anyway, listeners, I don't know if this has gone unnoticed, but the films that I watch for this podcast, if they're sequels, I've generally seen them in my life beforehand anyway. <laughs> like I've not, I've not Googled the plot of Leningrad Cowboys Meet Moses and I've not watched it in the past five years, but... I've seen it. But yeah, clearly you were so uh, enthralled by Leningrad Cowboys Go America. That's so hard to say in my brain. Um, that Leningrad Cowboys meet Moses stuck. Hmm. I mean, this isn't a hobby that exists purely for the sake of this podcast. <laughs> yeah, that's the Tanley experience, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> so what have you been doing, Tanley? Oh, I was just watching Leningrad Cowboys meet Moses. What? It's less weird when you've kind of been brought up listening to the music of the concert they did with the Red Army Choir and Orchestra. Then how do you explain all the other films, Tanley? Good question. Mm. <laughs> Congratulations, you've created one justification for one series one of films. Film, yeah. It's all right, you're just well-versed in world cinema. Yeah, and not films about a man in the fridge on a bus. Sorry. Sadly. So what do you think of... The road movie being <laughs> part of the format. I just, it works, right? I think it must work. It, I just can't get over noun, verb, noun. Leningrad cowboys go America. Mm. I, it hurts my brain. And I'm sure that's very intentional. Of course, like one of the two, in fact, two of the characters we knew were Vladimir and Igor. Mm-hmm. The third was Pekka, did you say? Well, that's weird, because Vladimir and Igor are both very Russian names. But Pekka is a Finnish name. I guess so. Um, I actually, when I was young, used to play Lego a lot with someone called Pekka. You've only lived in England all your life, right? Yeah, but my dad had friends in Finland, and we'd go over every couple of years and visit. And there was a kid who was a few years older than me who had some sweet Lego. <laughs> now, the the further question is... Is Pekka the Finnish equivalent of Vladimir or Igor in terms of, if you think of Finnish names, this is the one? I don't think so. And it's probably a little bit wrong to say it. How many Russian people are actually called Vladimir? Probably quite a lot. Really? Is it a common name? How many Russian people are called Igor? You're giving me three questions at once here. Yeah, absolutely. You should have known I was going to ask these things. You preempted everything else. I can't seem to. F- why? Why could I find frequency of Tanley? Probably because you searched it before. The narcissism took over one day, and it's remained in your cache ever since. <laughs> Numerology analysis of no. Numerology. Origin no. Vladimir ranks at number seven. The seventh most common Russian name is Vladimir. Above it are Sergei, Dmitri, Alexei, Alexander, and Andrei. You're missing a name. Two, three, four, so I am. That's all he's giving me. <laughs> right. So it's round number seven. <laughs> Below five other names. It's top of the middle names. Okay, so it's the name you want to give your child, but don't want anyone to call them. Middle names in Russia are generally derived from your father's name. Okay, so, so we've got a, a lot of Daddy Vladdy. 
<laughs> that is brilliant. <laughs> so maybe it's just a name that's going out of fashion. It, it's the Barry of Russia. The Barry of Russia. Yeah, Barry is sort of a dying name, right? There was that whole running campaign to, to bring back Barry or whatever it was. was there... <laughs> I'm sure a comedian was doing it at one point. Was it a comedian called Barry? Pass. I don't think it was. How many comedians do you know called Barry? Barry Cryer? No, I don't know. There you go then. I vaguely re- remember a campaign to bring back Barry. I'm sure there was, it was sure it was even on TV. Bring back Barry. I don't know if it was called Bring Back <laughs> Barry, but if not, call me. I will help your campaign. Say no to Harry, yes to Barry. Barry Potter. <laughs> now that's an entirely different novel. <laughs> Is it Harry Potter's dad? <laughs> <laughs> You're right, son. It's it's me, Barry Potter. <laughs> Going to do some magic then now, then. <laughs> oh, God, we've improved it already. <laughs> come on, Harry, lad. Come on, Harry. Do come some, on, Harry. Come, come on. do some magic. Yeah, do that Do that thing where you, you, you know, you swish wand and thing starts floating. <laughs> do, go on, show us. Oh, come on, Barry. Stop hassling the lad. <laughs> oh, yes, of course. His wife, Margaret. <laughs> anyway, what were we talking about? We were talking about a film, weren't we? Mm. we weren't rewriting the family tree of harry potter the film's over we did the film we've did, done we, the film we've did the film I, we did the film oh, but okay. yes i agree it was bad what the film chris bad english oh okay chris go america chris chris go dictionary so yeah that was leningrad cowboys go america i don't know what film we're gonna look at next week next oh, bloody hell next ne- episode next time next time it don't say next week that sets a that sets a time yeah, frame which is unrealistic for covid living anyway i think i think that's it is that it I, I, well at this point we're just we're just chatting we're just chatting and quite frankly i think we had all the just chatting in that we needed we've already done the just chatting at the start as well and really. in the middle and yes and, in the, and middle. in the middle the entire onion section was brilliant the onion section i wonder if that's gonna be a regular feature yeah if you keep telling me that you've eaten raw <laughs> onion there's like two people I know in the world that have done that. You and Shrek. <laughs> well, yeah. If anybody else has eaten raw onions, please tell me. I'd love to know. And I'd also love to know why. Tweet your photos of you eating a raw onion. <laughs> and tag tag us in it at Secondhand Cinema. Yeah, I'll actually respond if Tanley gives me the Twitter account. I'll give you I'll literally do it later. <laughs> <laughs> I'll do it now in a minute. <laughs> Classic Welsh phrase. So, yeah, remember, we are on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. If you want to send us an email at secondhandcinemapod at gmail.com. Or if you want to just, you know, send Chris your general... I'm good with praise. I, you know... General positive happy, feedback. If you're happy and you know it, DM me. <laughs> And if you aren't, you have some pedantic issues to pick a fight with. I guess it's me. Yeah. Or say nice things to me. You can say nice things to Tanley if you want. That's a that's a choice you can make. I think that wraps it up for this episode. I am happy to wrap this up with you. It feels short and sweet. Much like a pitta wrapped in onion, or I suppose the other way around. <laughs> yeah, that would be crazy. Oh yes, that's the crazy part. Yeah, exactly. No, you got to, you, you end up eating it like an apple. You hold it like an apple and just munch. But the best thing about <laughs> the best thing about eating an onion like an apple is that there's no core to eat around. You can just eat the whole thing. Just eat the core.
Oh, are you a core eater? Just eat the core. Are you a core eater? I will eat most of an apple. Ooh, I'm not, not a fan of that. What's a bit of arsenic? Get it in my mouth. Or is it cyanide? What's in an apple seed? Some are vaguely dangerous in larger quantities. I'll tell you something. I'm a big fan. I don't do it very often, but as a treat, I cut up an apple and then eat it. I see. I, I, I can see where you're coming from because that, that feels decadent. Mm, it does. Somehow. Maybe we're revealing too much about ourselves as people. More content. More content. Can you remember your signing off phrase from last episode? I have a signing off phrase. You had an incredible one. What was it? I, I, I had a signing off phrase. It was something like, keep listening because your ears are beautiful. Your ears are beautiful. <laughs> Look after your ears, everybody. They're important and they are necessary in order for you to continue listening to this podcast. Indeed they are. Because we provide absolutely no accessibility options whatsoever. There's no transcript. That's way too much work at this point. Mm. So it's ears or nothing. On that subject, actually, I was recently chatting to one of the deaf actors that we referenced in episode two. Got one in three shot. (laughs) I put out an Instagram story saying, have you listened to the new episode of my podcast? And my deaf friend replied saying no. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, You get what you ask for. Yeah, I mean, I can't argue with that. Uh, I think I'm just going to press stop. No, we've got to sign off, haven't we, somehow? We've got to sign off. If you have any film recommendations, please let us know. Um, or at least let Tanley know. I probably shouldn't know. So if you're listening to this and you think, I'm enjoying this podcast, I bet some people I know would enjoy this too. Why not recommend us to them? Let them know that there's a, I was going to say great podcast. There's a, in, in, there's a podcast. There's a fresh new podcast. There's a fresh new scene. podcast that is that has a level of quality. And it's probably consistent on that level of quality. So if you like the first episode, you're probably going to enjoy the rest. So yeah, let's spread the word. Let's make Secondhand Cinema. A household name, just like the name Tanley. It's a household name in my household. Does that count? So thanks for listening, everybody. Bye. Bye. Secondhand Cinema.